0: This is Understanding Money, and I am Owen McGee. If you're a first-time listener, my goal today is that by the end of this, you're going to hit the follow button. If you're a repeat listener, I really appreciate you coming back. Today is all about debt. Happy debt and crappy debt. And this is for the people out there who have loads of loans, but it's also the people who have none. And the reason why this is for everybody is because if you're not affected by debt, if you're not in debt, I promise you there are people in your life who are. And if they're not going to help themselves, maybe you can help them. So where are we in Ireland right now with debt? We've gone from a position where... We, back kind of 15, 20 years ago, before the global financial crisis, we had a real problem with debt. It was being thrown at us. Then we fell out of love with debt. We got scared of it and we really started to drive the debt levels down. Per capita, we were driving the numbers down and we were getting better at controlling and managing our debt. Right now... It's starting to creep back up again and we are starting to borrow money and we've had new forms of lending thrown at us that are very different to what we've seen before. I'm talking about buy now, pay later. I'm talking about PCP has become a bigger thing than it was 10, 15 years ago. It's become huge, in fact. And we are also in a position where interest rates are starting to rise. So all of those loans that we've accumulated up over the last couple of years, whether it's mortgages and everything else, could be a time bomb ticking. So, what do you do about it? Let's just first of all establish the difference between happy debt and crappy debt. Happy debt is when you borrow money, usually at low interest rates or lower than all the crappy debt interest rates, lower interest rates, and you use that money to buy stuff that goes up in value. The perfect and probably the simple and only example of that is a mortgage. It's hard to get happy debt. They put you through the ringer. They make sure that you're going to be able to pay the money back and they really have to satisfy themselves before they're going to give you the money. So happy debt is low interest rates. You buy stuff that typically over long periods of time is going to go up in value. Crappy debt is car loans, personal loans, overdrafts, which is a loan, credit cards, which is a loan, any type of loan that you're kind of paying back over the shorter term. It's typically... For very expensive rates, it's typically easier to get. In fact, the easier it is to get it, the higher you can expect to pay on the interest rate. And it's often used for things that go down in value or the things that you consume straight away. So, examples of that you buy a car, it's expected to go down in value, depreciate over time. Or stuff you consume straight away, you stick a meal in a restaurant on a credit card. That's a debt, that's a loan, and it's very high interest rates and it goes down. But how high do the interest rates go? I'm going to really generalize here, right? At the moment, you're probably paying somewhere in an ordinary mortgage, you're paying somewhere on a happy debt, somewhere between kind of four or five. There's our people paying much more than that, but four or five is not unusual percent on a mortgage. Personal loans and car loans, now we're getting up to kind of eight, 10, 12%. Overdrafts, 16%, 18%. Then we go up to the big boys. Now we're getting to credit cards, 22%. And in fact, they kind of top out at that level and around that level because when they go over that level, the Central Bank of Ireland says, you're no longer a credit card provider. You're a loan shark was the word. You know what? It's my podcast. Let's just call them a loan shark. That's what they feel like. That's what they are, right? They're just very, very high debt. And sometimes that debt can get really, really bad. There's a couple of things that people often get surprised at with crappy debt. Do you know that magazine, the magazine that used to come in if you're old enough, you'll remember the magazine you used to come in through the door and you'd flick through it and you'd see clothes and shoes and you'd ring them and then they'd deliver it stuff. That's all moved online now and everyone, I'm not going to mention them because I don't want to get any problems in the post next week off them, right? But there are these online shops and what they do is they make it very easy for you to buy from them and they'll deliver it out to you, the clothes or the shoes or the TV or whatever it is. It's not unusual for those lovely shops who are really good to you, have great service to charge you 45% in interest. Now to put that in perspective, if you have a thousand euros sitting on your online shopping account for a year in simple interest terms, that's 450 euros in interest if you don't pay it down over the year. That is phenomenal interest rates. And I've heard stories of people saying Oh yeah, I only had a thousand euros balance left on my account That was my limit And I wanted to buy something for 1200 euros I wanted to buy a telly for the young fella I wanted to buy it and I rang up And they just upped my rate straight away They just upped my limit straight away And they let me buy it Wasn't that lovely? No, they weren't selling you a TV They were selling you a 45% loan And you need to be careful of that stuff And then we get into the bigger stuff We've got stuff like And they're less popular here, but they're coming down the tracks. They aren't non-existent here, but they're coming down the tracks where you get loans, where you have what's called a payday loan. In America, payday loans are so popular, there are more payday loan shops than there are McDonald's restaurants. Now, what a payday loan does is you get paid by the month. Two weeks into the month, you're out of money. You walk into a payday loan shop and you say, I just need some money. I just need a bit of an advance until I get paid again. And what happens there is, is they give you the advance and there's rules across, and I'm talking about the states here, there's rules around that they can only charge you a maximum amount of interest. And those interest rates can be 170, 180%. Like they're ridiculous interest rates. And what the statistics have shown us is, is that they do stick to the rules because that's the law. They won't go above the maximum allow- that they're allowed to charge. But somewhere between 75 and 80% of payday loans are paid off using Another payday loan, and the cycle just continues. So they stick to the rules, but all of a sudden, now your loan that was a thousand euros to get you by till next payday, you add the interest, and let's just keep the math simple, it changes to two thousand euros. Now there's a new loan for two thousand euros, and they'll still stick to the max, and it can very quickly accumulate. It is around here, there are other forms of it, and I don't want to cast everyone with the same brush. There is a company out there in Ireland who are doing it slightly differently where they engage with your employer and they'll only pay you for the, if you have two weeks into the month, them and your employer will pay you for the two weeks you've worked. They won't pay you for the work you haven't done yet, but you can draw down on your pay slip earlier. It's still a loan. It still can lead to the same problem. And if you're not getting from payday to payday, you need to address the underlying issue whether they're a great company or an awful company whether they're charging you 0% interest or loads of interest if you are not getting from one month to another from one pay packet to another you need to address the underlying issue which is either you need to increase your earnings or decrease your expenditure that's all you can do getting into debt and getting yourself wrapped up in debt is a financial treadmill that's what it is And until you get it under control and until you start to turn the volume down on that treadmill, the speed down on that treadmill, you start turning down the repayments on it, you're never going to get ahead financially. At the end of today, I'm going to talk to you about a way of tackling these debts. How do you get on top of them? I want to make sure that when you walk away from today, you can tackle it for yourself or you can help someone very close to you in your life to tackle it for themselves Help you help them is what I'm trying to achieve. We're going to have someone in in a minute who's going to talk to us about their personal story and how their relationship with debt accumulated up over the last couple of years and where they are today. And then we're going to do the Q&A and then we're going to come back and I'm going to talk to you about the real action points of what's going to happen next. So let's talk to our first guest. Neve, and I will say Neve is not your real name, we're going to ask you some very personal story and I think for your comfort and just to make sure you're really relaxed about the whole thing, we've changed your name. I do know a little bit about you and what I will say is we know you're a guard yeah. and you have had, let's say, a relationship with death over the years. Do you want to just tell me in your own words what your relationship with death has been and kind of give me a an executive summary of where you started, how it accumulated and where you are now?
1: Um, so, I suppose my relationship with debt is probably the longest relationship I've, I've had. Um, it would have started when I was 20 years old. Started with a credit card. I was going on a big holiday, got a credit card just in case. I was going to be halfway around the world just in case. Um, my just in case ended up being a brand new iPhone Okay. that I bought with that credit card. It then snowballed into, and I say snowballed because it went from zero to 100 very fast, uh, 15,000 euro of a car loan with five euro savings is all I needed to take out that money.
0: So how much was on the credit card when you put the 15 grand on the car loan?
1: 1500 it was full.
0: Okay so was that 1500? Yeah okay. it was full.
1: Um, Yeah so literally I think I applied for the loan three o'clock on a Monday and I had the 15,000 euro in my bank account 9am Tuesday morning just like that.
0: And were you, you're back in Ireland at this stage?
1: Or, I was, yeah. Yeah, you're back yeah. in
0: Ireland and you're working away and are you were guard at this stage, you're working fully? I'm training. Training.
1: So we would have been on less than the dole at the time, so one hundred and eighty euro a week.
0: And you got a fifteen grand Long car loan.
1: For, for my first ever car. When I had a and do you think member. that was anything
0: to do with the fact you were a guard?
1: Well, I would have only got the amount I got on the rate that I got because it came from a Garda credit union. Okay. It wasn't your normal credit union, it wasn't a bank. It was two designated Garda credit unions that we had and one of them. Uh, it was when I went with it so
0: okay so you 1500 euros and then you 15 grand did it go further than that
1: it did uh, so I had been saving away in my credit union while I was in the college small amount but enough to have a first month's deposit and rent for when I was stationed I was going off the basis that I would probably be stationed in Dublin mm. I would probably have high rents okay I didn't realize that I couldn't access that money when I had a loan okay so I had about two grand there saved.
0: For for my deposit,
1: my first month's rent, had to top up, had to take out a personal loan then to be able to then afford my first month's rent. Um, and the deposit for where I was going to be
0: living. Okay. So. what I will say, just in defence, because they're not here, right? What I will say about credit, I'm a big, big fan of the credit unions, right? What I will say about them is, is they still follow the same rules that everybody else follows. Yeah, okay. And one of the things they do is they have a great relationship with the guards, so therefore they they understand the salaries and the pay scales and everything else. So we're not going to put a whole pile of blame on them. No. I'm, no. And I'm going to be tough on you too, Neve, and I'm going to say that the responsibility <laughs> ultimately falls with you, right? Okay. So sorry, but let's yeah. just make. Sure, we don't get sued next week, right? <laughs> no, but in genuine, when I say it, the credit unions are something that I think the country needs, and they do follow the rules. And you were they were lending money to you within the rules.
1: Absolutely, okay. it was my own naivety and having no experience of having money or having mm. debt before is what led me into this. It was easily accessible through the mm. credit union, but at the end of the day, it was my own, mm. I suppose, stupidity at the time. I was twenty, and yeah. Liked having money when I seen it in the bank and it, it's addictive.
0: So you got to Dublin, you've got 15 grand. Oh, I don't know how far this story goes. So
1: Got to Dublin, paying my rent after about a month. The rent ended up being an extra 200 euro than what, I, what it originally was for various reasons. Um, so I found it very hard living day to day on the money that we were on. Uh, there was often days where I would eat three bowls of porridge in work because I got the milk from work. As part well, no. of the social club, it was it was that tight with the loans and uh, mm. that 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 I had at the time. So the car that I had ended up crashing. It had to buy another car, a lesser car. Now I I learned from not buying a brand new car for your first car. Had that car for a couple of years. Problems, problems, problems. Topping up constantly, just little bits here and there, but it all added up. Um, to fix the car, and then eventually one day there was just no fixing it. Another car again. Okay. And I suppose I only kept paying my minimums. Yeah. Uh, the bare minimum that was required by the credit union, I was paying that. I wasn't, I was conscious enough of my future and where I would need to be in three, mm. four, or five years time. I wasn't saving.
0: Did there come a point where you actually went, whoa, was there a point where you, you just said, you know what, I have got myself in too deep here?
1: Yeah, um, it probably would have came about a year or two, maybe about, about 22, like that, the insurance money every month, the loans... I think I was on the second car by this stage. So I'd had since topped up the car loan. And like that paying rents, I ended up moving to a different location. So rents Mm. had changed. And like that, just just struggling, just looking at your money every month and being like, can I afford to eat freely? And that's how bad it got. I had a good job. I had a good pensionable job. Mm. And I was worried that I wasn't going to have enough to make it to the end of the week. And that's like, that's how bad it was for me.
0: And was that your rock bottom?
1: It was, but it took a while to be able to get back from that because like that, the bills don't stop.
0: It, did it take a while to get back? You, you knew you were at rock bottom, but then you stuck your head in the sand for a bit longer. Is that what you're telling me?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, like that another bill would come up and I knew I didn't have the money there to pay it. So a small top up, a small top up. And that I didn't uh, take out any further huge amounts of loans, but mm. it was all those top ups added up. Yes. And I thought, oh, it's only a grand. Sure, I'll have that paid off. With next month's big check
0: and sure. So, because it wasn't the big 15 grand when it was a thousand euros, it was like, it's I'm easier. managing it. Yeah. I'm doing better. I'm I am not. Feel, yeah. I used to be crap, but I took 15 grand loans out. Now I'm only taking 1500 euro loans. Look how much I've progressed, type of a thing.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I thought that the small amounts were going to be more manageable. But when you take out three or four small loans at two and three thousand each, so they add
0: up. Yeah. How does it affect your mental health when you're in that state? How does it affect your decision making from a financial perspective?
1: It's dark because you're I was looking around at people kind of progressing and moving on and doing things and going on nice holidays or going on weekends away and I just felt that I couldn't do that and if I wanted to do that I had to take out more money. I had to get the money from somewhere because I didn't have it because I had so much debt already. Mm. Um so it was it was just looking around at everyone. I suppose like people do that and you know, I know they say you shouldn't compare yourself to everyone else but it's hard and I suppose the job I was in the age kind of difference was massive mm. so I was looking at people married with kids owning these lovely houses and I was there at 22 and I was like well they, they've got all this money and this nice things but they were at a completely different stage of life than yeah. I was I wasn't looking at other 22 year olds who were on an Erasmus you know mm. what I mean I was working and living with people in their 30s and often in their 40s
0: okay where did it peak out what do you think you what what was the highest you got to in terms of personal debt
1: Probably not too much higher than what I am at now, I suppose. I'd say about twenty eight thousand. Okay. Um that came when I decided to go back to college. I had left college to, to become a guard and always regretted not finishing my degree. And obviously because of the money I made, I didn't qualify for any sort of grants or support, so full fees and everything I had to pay, didn't have the money for it, took out a student loan. Okay. So yeah, once that went on top of that the original fifteen with the few top ups. I mm. think there was a three thousand euro top up. There was a five thousand euro top up. It uh, yeah pe- probably peaked about the twenty eight credit card all included thereabouts.
0: Okay. And you're more or less still there now, are you?
1: Uh, I'm about twenty thousand now. Okay. So I'd say only in the last year I've managed to to bring that really down. Really start to
0: tackle. It. Yeah. So you've managed to go. You've really started to tackle it in the last couple of years or so. Yeah. The last year you've seen progress and you've gone from twenty eight to twenty grand. What did you yeah. change?
1: I suppose I just started looking at my money before I got it every week. We get paid weekly, so I knew exactly every week how much I was going to get. The only, I suppose, variance would be once a month we get what we call a big check, which is all your overtime, your allowances, Mm. um, and things like that. So I sat down and just took it as if I was making the same for the four weeks. Okay. And gave all that money a job as such. So I knew exactly what my rent was going to be. I knew exactly what my loan payments were going to be. Mm. Roughly knew my phone bill, my Netflix, things like Mm. that, and I put all that money into Revolut vaults. Mm. At the start of every week, I had a schedule, so I didn't have to actively do anything. Every Thursday, it filled up, and I knew I had the money there for all my bills. Whatever I had left over then, I took a portion of that into savings. Okay. Um, What I started to do as well was the, actually, a great thing about the the Guard of Credit Unions is I can save, they take money into my savings before I get paid it. Yeah. So they take it from source. So I call it kind of passive savings. I'm not actively doing it but it's tipping away there I don't see it I don't think about it I do forget it's there every so often
0: What's really interesting about what you're describing is, is you, you automated it right? so rather than you saying okay every month or every time I get paid I'm mm. going to sit down and I'm going to do this this and this you just sat down once yeah. and said this is what's going to happen every time I'm going to get paid I'm yeah. not going to I'm going to ignore I get paid the same every week and this is or every two weeks or whatever it is I'm getting paid the same pay packet I'm not getting my big month or my big pay check each month and these are the rules when I get paid and then you automated it. So it just shot off into whether it's taken out of your wages before you see it by the credit union or it hit, hit, hit into your, in your case, Revolut and went off to the vaults. Yeah. And once that automation happened, it's, you've now taken control. Yeah. Is that what it felt like?
1: It did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Did you feel when you started to take control and you started to see your 28 going 20 and you started to see progress, was there less of an inclination for you to give yourself the takeaway or anything else? Or had you allowed for that?
1: Um, I probably had less of the inclination. I had allowed a small amount, probably a fraction of what I would have previously allowed myself. But once I started to see the savings building up, it really, I, I don't even, I can't even describe the feeling, but as you said, like I had control of it. This was my money. Mm. It didn't have to go to the bank. It didn't have to go off a loan. It was mine. I could do what I wanted with it, but I wanted to keep it. Yeah, I wanted to save it. Um, even I, I, when I cleared my credit card there only in August.
0: What does it feel like when you do get to clear off loan? I mean, I know you've got your savings there and there's an emotional attachment to yeah. the savings. But there has to be something good about clearing off a loan.
1: There is. It pained me, but it's it's a good pain. Like I'm, I'm letting go of something. I know there's still X amount there, but the load is getting lighter. Mm. It'll take a while. It's getting lighter. It's, it's not going up. It's mm. only going down. And that's, I suppose, a big thing for me is that there are large chunks of money leaving me as such. But then I take a look at the overall number and I'm like... That's gone down a huge amount and it is. It's it's,
0: it's interesting. Good. You use the word it's gonna take some time and you've accepted that. Oh, and yeah, you know absolutely. That. and one yeah. of the things that people often forget is is it takes a while to get into that debt. Yeah. And it's gonna take a while to get back out of it. And it is painful to be in debt and it's painful to get out of it, but you choose your pain. Yeah. And the reward at the end of it. Like if you think about the the moment you recognized Oh, actually, I'm in trouble here. But you stuck your head in the sand for a while. Mm. That was you choosing your pain. And the pain was, I'll just top it up a little bit more and it might get better. I'll just top it up a little bit more and it might get better. But actually, that pain has to come to a head at some stage. And you go, you know what? I have to do something about this. And you've done it. Yeah. Like you're a third of the way through your journey, right? The second two thirds is much easier than the first third was. Okay. Because you've got the structure and everything in place. But you must be proud of yourself.
1: To be honest, I am. Um, And I don't want to seem cocky saying that, but... I like I have done good I feel mm. Do you know I mm. I as you said I, I had my head buried in the sand for an awful long time and I got out of it and I'm getting there and it probably helps that there's so many little loans as such because I feel like it's an achievement each time when I get rid of one like one credit card gone mm. like that was an achievement it it's I find it a little bit harder when the loan is so big it feels never ending mm but the, all the little ones clear on them. It feels, it's good every time. And I'm like, I'm looking at my apps and stuff and it, the list of loans is shortening on the screen even. Yeah. I don't need to scroll anymore to, to, to see them all. Do <laughs> you know, it's 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 that, but it's, it's the little victories and you're kind of like, oh yeah, that that was good, kind of well done. But you, you also don't want to cling to that too much because you're like, there's a the fear that I'll slip back into it. Mm. Um, I like that. While I am proud that, I have done little bits. I, I don't want to give myself too much of a pat on the back because I'm like, you did get yourself here. You can go back. You don't want to. You're hopefully not going to. Mm. But I'm kind of cognizant of that as well, that there's always a risk in the background that something will pop up and I'll just dip that little bit.
0: If you could say something to somebody else who has started, who is at the very start of their journey, they're starting, they've just got the first credit card and they think it'd be grand and they're going to be okay. What would you say to them?
1: Probably educate yourself. I hadn't a clue about money, interest rates, anything like that. I never did business studies in school. It was never, never something that really ever crossed my mind. Um, so I would say to anyone who's about to take out a loan, sit down and work out the numbers. Yeah, you say it's going to be 40 quid a week. Perfect. But... Then what if your insurance goes up Mm. in two years' time? Because that was a big, actually, a big financial thing to me. After I crashed my car, my insurance went up to €3,000 a year. Crazy money. But um, yeah, absolutely work out what it's going to be for the next couple of years, but also take into consideration that life happens. And that was one thing that I didn't take into consideration. And I tell you, life came at me very fast. (laughs) By 21, 22 years of age, it came at me fast. But yeah, just, just make sure you know what your interest rates are going to be. If it's better to pay a larger amount off at the start, you know, how interest rates work. I'm still learning. I'm still trying to figure that out, but I'm getting there. Mm. But yeah, absolutely. That would be One piece of advice is, is just make sure you know the ins and outs of your loans, your conditions, your
0: terms of the loans. Niamh, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for sharing your story with us. Thanks for having me. I'm joined by Mary and Mary, first time podcaster with us today, but long time prosperous, aren't you?
2: I am. I'm actually the longest serving member of staff in Prosperous.
0: Except for me apart from you. <laughs> yeah. And tell us what you do in Prosperous. Tell everyone what you do in Prosperous.
2: I am the numbers person. I run all things finance related in Prosperous.
0: Okay. So no pressure. You're in a financial planning firm and you run the financial planning firm's numbers Yeah. while we run numbers for all the clients. Exactly. Okay. Excellent. So we're going to go through a few questions today. Let's get stuck in at the start. Let's go with the first question.
2: First question is a voice note. Hi, Owen. My question is, should I clear my debt with my savings or keep my savings and chip away at the debt? Thank you. This is something you see a lot, I guess, on your Instagram questions. So the trade-off between savings and debt.
0: Okay. What I would say is when you have enough savings to clear off your debt, you probably need to go a little bit further. My big fear is, is if you've got a lump of savings and a lump of debt and you use the lump of savings to clear off the debt completely, you then leave yourself with zero savings, okay? And assuming this person is going to leave themselves with zero savings. And then next week, life happens. and The washing machine breaks down or you need to replace the car or something else happens and you end up borrowing money in a panic, which probably means, as I said at the start of today's podcast, the easier it is to get the loan, the more expensive you'll expect it to be. So if you're borrowing in a panic, you're going to go for the easiest route and you're going to pay more money. You're going to pay a higher interest rate than maybe the loan you've just cleared off. So what I much prefer people to do is, is adhere to their buffer rules. And we've talked about buffer before, but adhere to their buffer rules. And if you're clearing off alone, make sure you're clearing it off in full. And you've got a bit of a buffer there so that when life happens next week, you're not panic borrowing. Does that answer the question, Mary, do you think?
2: It does, but I'd be curious to know, do you give the same advice regardless of the type of debt? So like I'm thinking cost here. So the difference between a credit card debt and maybe a credit union loan?
0: And this is where the long term and the short term comes into it. Now, so say, for example, you've got 10 grand in savings and 10 grand in debt and 2,000 euros of that is credit card debt and 8,000 euros of that is is a car loan. Absolutely take the two grand and clear it off the credit card because it's much more expensive. But... If you're going to wipe yourself out completely with a loan that's 6 or 7% and it's going to be wiped completely, I'd like you to get a little bit ahead before you do that because it just makes much more sense. On the flip side, I'm not a fan of paying a little bit extra off loans. There are circumstances where you've tried it all before and there aren't. And I'm going to cover that at the end of the podcast today in terms of some of the routes you can go. But in general, paying a little bit off a loan doesn't give you the same emotional benefit of paying a loan off in full does.
2: Would you say that for a mortgage? It's a, I suppose, a common question we get. People who have maybe a bit of savings built up or they have a bit of wriggle room in their monthly finances. The first go-to idea is, should we be overpaying the mortgage?
0: Yeah, and that's that, that's a much more clear cut one, right? If you're exhausting all other opportunities with your savings and you've got your extra cash, and you've explored all the other opportunities, you're maximizing pension contributions, you're doing everything else that you should be doing with your money, and you have nothing left to do with your money, uh, go on, go for it, clear off the mortgage. But it should not be your default. It absolutely shouldn't be your default. It should be your option of last resort, because in general, mortgage lending is the cheapest lending you're ever going to get. There's a nice rule of thumb that I like to use, and it's kind of changing at the moment because interest rates are going up on mortgages. If you take the mortgage interest rate and double it, so say you're on 2% and you double it to 4 right? Think about, could I get 4% or more with that money somewhere else? Mm. Now, that was grand three years ago. Today, if you're paying 4% on the mortgage and you double it to 8 well then, now you're I need to get well. 8% on my savings <laughs> yeah. in order, my investments in order to make it financially viable for it to do that. I, I would still be of the opinion paying an extra bit off your mortgage has very little emotional benefit So keep having the mortgage come down on a month-to-month basis with the standard repayments that you're expected to pay and build the savings up on the other side and you Mm. will get to a point where there's enough in the savings to clear off the mortgage. And then you get the emotional benefit and you've kept all the financial options on your side of the table between now and then and you're saving a whole pile of interest on the mortgage because you're clearing it off early anyway. Okay, let's go with the next one.
2: So the next question came in by text, and I'll read it out for you now, Owen. What are the chances of getting a mortgage after insolvency? The listener says they were discharged in 2021.
0: Okay. The whole purpose of insolvency and the insolvency legislation is to give people a second chance. The legislation is designed to say, you know what, you've had a difficulty, you can't get yourself out of it, we're going to move in with the law and protect you. And we're going to try and get you out of this And if you get out of it, you deserve a second chance. That's the whole concept and ethos behind the legislation. The reality is, and one of the things that always frustrates me is, when people fill out an application form, it says on the application form, have you ever been declared bankrupt or insolvent or whatever else? And there's always that thought in my head, why do you need to know this? Because we can't ask a question of a client without giving them a reason. We have to have a rationale as to why do I need to know this? And that should be even stronger again in credit. If I was a banker, I'd be saying my defense here would be, oh, hold on a second, we're not going to use it against them. Well, then don't ask the question, right? So either you need to know or you don't need to know. And you're going to use it against them. You're not going to use it against them. And what I would say to this person is they deserve a second chance and they've taken the legislation, the process that's designed to give them a second chance and they've done what they've needed to do. And they do deserve a second chance. I just wonder what the real life feel is for it out there and what actually is happening out there. And you know what? I think there is never a better way of finding out how this works in practice than ask people themselves. So what we're going to do, what I'm thinking of doing now here is I think when this podcast goes out, we're going to put a question box up on my Instagram and the same way we do on a Saturday question box. You'll be able to tell me your personal insolvency experience or your bankruptcy experience or whatever process you went through. You'll be able to tell me about that and tell me, I want to hear the success stories about oh no, a couple of years later, I was able to get a loan and I was okay and that's what it is. When it comes to people who have had problems with with debt in the past, the message is always the same. When you go to the bank, say it to them and I'm not necessarily talking about someone going through insolvency. Say it to them because they're probably going to find out about it anyway.
2: Get out in front of it.
0: Get out in front of it. Say it to them. Tell them this is why it happened and this is why it's not going to happen again. And you put your best foot forward there. You're on the back foot if they're coming after you. So, and that's kind of contradictory to me being annoyed with the fact that have you ever been insolvent before? Question is usually on the application form. But I do think own it, explain it, and show them it's not going to happen again is the best chance that you have there. But I'd really be keen to hear from listeners. We'll put something up on Instagram and when this podcast goes out and just give us your comments and let us know how you got on with it. We'll keep your name out of it. Um, you, you don't need to share that, the fact that you've been through insolvency. But I do think it's one of the things I love most about Instagram and particularly the, the followers on Instagram is when I'm sitting there in the evening, I'm scrolling through and I have listeners learning from each other or, or followers learning from each other. And let's use the power of that to try and help this person out. Let's go with the next question.
2: The next question is also a voice note. Hi, Owen. I was just wondering what your intake is on the Klarna app. I have tried using it now for a purchase I made. I'm a bit nervous about it because I'm not sure how it works or will there be interest. Thank you. I have to say, I had to go to Google yesterday to find out what this app was, but it's it's paying by installments, basically.
0: Yeah, so basically, and this is something that's come very hard and fast at us right now. We've a couple of providers in the market. You, ha- you used to have a thing that you'd walk into the electric, the big electrical stores and they'd say, pay over nine months mm. or interest-free for nine months. And, and this is the new age version of this, right, where basically you pay over three installments. And if you pay over three installments, you won't be charged interest. Okay. kind of
2: like clearing the balance on the credit card every month.
0: Yes. Yeah. You won't be charged interest. And actually what's happening in the background there is and actually and, and I'm not talking specific about Klarna here, but the model that's sold to us is no, you know what, we get paid 1 or 2% by the retailer because you bought using the Klarna app and we're just going to collect it off you interest free because we've been paid for the money already and the problem that happens is it's incredibly easy to get these loans. Like mm. and they are loans, right? It's incredibly easy. You will be fine if you make the payments every month for the next three months, right? And you get it cleared and it's done and it's dusted. But if you hit into difficulties, that's where you start. Like you miss a payment or it's just a problem with the direct debit. You don't realize it because they're typically smaller payments, right? But it's also the other big problem is the accessibility to this. You could have like 15 different Klarna loans going along at the same time.
2: That's what I was thinking. If you, A one-off is, is one thing, but if yeah. this becomes your way of doing things, then you're never playing in full yeah. at the beginning. And then the amount can accumulate. And
0: let's be really, really simple. If you can't pay for it this month, if you can't afford it this much, you can't afford it. Right. Spreading it out over three months because it's available to you is not making your financial situation any better at all. You're giving yourself a false sense of security. You've got a new TV or you've got a new whatever it is. And believe me, I know someone who was buying a first time buyer who was buying a house recently and they said they could have literally kitted out the house from top to bottom with one of these buy now, pay later loans. And they are incredibly so accessible. They're incredibly easy to tick the box on. They're very much encouraged whether you're online or in a shop, in, in a retail shop, a physical one. And my fear here is, is that we are absolutely storing a massive problem up for the future, particularly as inflation continues to do what it is and people feel the squeeze. I'll just do it this time and then I'll just do it this time. And I'll just do it this time. It's yeah. no different than Neve earlier on who who was talking to us. It was just do the little ones and the little ones don't matter. But what she actually said herself was, and I know you haven't heard it yet, Mary, what she said was she had big loans and then she did little loans and the little, little loans didn't seem as damaging as the big loan did Mm. but then the little loans added up and this is exactly what buy now pay later has the potential to destroy us with is a death by a thousand cuts
2: so do you really need it now
0: do you really need it now and can you afford it if you can't afford it today it's probably not for you. And if you are in it, make sure if you have collected a few of these loans from different providers, make sure you have a list of them. Make sure you're making the repayments as they are due and make sure that if you've got a few of them in particular, take out a pen and piece of paper today and write down how much you have outstanding and how much the repayments are and look at the bigger picture instead of the individual pictures that seem fine. Mary, thanks very much for coming into us. It's
2: been a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: So we're coming to the end of this one. This one is always going to be a difficult one, debt. And you can hear that in the questions. People have confusion around debt. They're not sure about what the correct route is. They're not sure what the rules are. And you can also hear it when you listen to Neve. Like she just got caught up in a whole pile of different loans. It wasn't one loan that she was struggling with. She just kept tipping on and adding a little bit more and a little bit more to it all the time and some of the descriptions of what how she was feeling at the time just resonate I'm hearing these stories all the time Neve is not unique in her circumstance and what I'll also say is people listening and saying she got herself into 28 grand of debt I'm sure there will be some people, mightn't be you but there will be other people who are listening who are saying, I got herself into 28 grand of debt she she can dig herself out of it well she is digging herself out of it and she, she did take responsibility for the fact that she got in there but she needed to take responsibility for it she did get to a point where she recognized I'm in trouble here and she kept going for some time, hoping it was just going to disappear. And it's only because she took responsibility for it that she started to get out of it. Interestingly enough, Neve's situation is a situation where she was making the repayments as required. She didn't get herself into arrears, she didn't get, she just stayed within the rules, made the repayments, and she was struggling financially and she needed to make a change and she's made that change for herself. If you're a person who actually is struggling and cannot get themselves out of debt. And you're looking down, looking at your debts and you're saying, I'm never getting out of this. If there's no clear path out for you, I would suggest your first port to call is MABS. And MABS is the Money Advice Budgeting Service. It's a government agency that will basically sit you down, they'll look at your income, your outgoings, they'll look at your debt, they'll look at if it's reasonable That you could be actually get yourself out of debt within a reasonable amount of time. And they will give you incredible guidance around where you should go if you can't. They'll give you guidance about how you can tackle it yourself. If they don't believe you can tackle it yourself, they will be able to point you in the direction of the personal insolvency practitioners and all the other people who are there to help you at a very, very difficult time. If you've reached the point where you need to speak to someone else, don't wait. It's only gonna get worse talk to somebody now by the way i've nothing to do with maps i'm like i'm not getting paid by maps they're nothing to do with me but they do provide an incredible service so have a look at them there's usually one in your local town and there's plenty of them in the big cities but if you're not that person if you're not struggling to the point you're just making the repayments on a month-to-month basis but you feel like you're getting nowhere what do you do your first step is to take out a pen and piece of paper or Excel. If you're good with Excel, you'll do it in Excel, but a pen and piece of paper is fine, just fine too. And you need to write down all your debts. How long is left on them? How much is left on them? What the repayments are? And you need to go to the hassle of finding out what the interest rates are too. Once you've identified the problem, And you say, okay, here's all my debts and leave mortgage to one side for this. Now, for the moment, we're just talking about crappy debt here. Once you've identified how big the problem is, the next thing you need to do is to start to tackle it. You can keep making the repayments as they fall due and you're going to be still sitting here in a year's time going, I still feel like I'm getting nowhere. Or else you can look back at the rest of your finances and say, where can I identify an extra 20 quid, 50 quid, 100 quid a month? Go back to episode one, where we talked about conscious versus subconscious spending Try and identify it from there and say, okay, I have an extra 50 quid a month. What am I going to do with it? The traditional route of tackling debt is once you have your list of debts, look at the most expensive one first and tackle that first. Actually, Neve described this. Lots of people go about this and they say, I'm going to tackle that one first. And Neve described, oh, I got two or three or 400 quid off my credit card. And then I topped it up again. And she didn't really feel like she was getting anywhere. And that route, probably the route of taking the extra 50 quid a month or whatever it is and tackling your most expensive debt first, isn't always going to achieve success. And for me, it might make the most financial sense, but success is more important than anything else. So when you have your list of loans, it's really easy to do this in Excel, but you can do it on a pen and piece of paper too. When you've identified, this is what my problem is. This is how much debt I owe. This is how much my loan repayments are. Here's my interest rates. And I've identified of an extra 50 quid a month. Instead of going after the most expensive loan, go after the loan with the lowest outstanding amount on it. Hopefully that's 300 quid. Hopefully that's 500 quid. It doesn't matter what it is. Just go after the lowest hanging fruit. Because what happens is if you take your 50 quid a month and there's 500 euros left on this loan and you are already paying 100 euros a month off this, in a little over three months, that loan is going to be gone completely you're going to get a quick win. You're going to get caught up in the traction of I am starting to get myself debt-free for the first time in forever. And what you do is you take your 50 quid, you add it to the 100 quid and three and a half or three and a bit months, you're going to have that loan cleared. Now you take the 100 quid you were paying off that loan, you put it with the 50 quid you've identified from your conscious, subconscious spending or somewhere else, and you take that 150 and you tackle the next lowest hanging fruit. The amount of people I have seen go with the stage where they look at oh, I'll go after the most expensive one first. It's failed them. Then they go back again six months or go after the most expensive one first. And eventually you sit down and say, you know what, just go after the lowest hanging fruit. Get yourself addicted to clearing off loans and you will start to make progress much quicker and you will stick the course you'll stay with it because you know what you're getting your quick wins you can see the progress I love that description of need I scroll down through my app but I don't have to scroll down anymore to see the rest of the loans they're all on one page that feels good and you really really need to chase that feeling it's not easy to get rid of debt it's painful but it's also painful to stay in debt choose your pain It is your choice. It's within your control. And the very second that you take control of your finances and you take control of your debt is the start of getting out of it. If you're listening to this and saying, I have a few debts and, oh, sure, look, they're grand. I'll keep tipping away at them. I'll be okay. You're tricking yourself. You will never get dramatically ahead financially. You are never on the path to true wealth unless you tackle that crappy debt first. If you need help, go to Mab's. If you're going to do it yourself, get a pen and piece of paper or ideally Excel out and start tackling it this weekend. Take an hour, get the stuff down on paper and create a plan for yourself. This was Understanding Money. I am Owen McGee. I really appreciate that you've stayed this long today, that you've listened to this episode. I hope you've got something from it. But maybe it's not for you and you need to just fire it onto somebody else who you think might benefit from it. Give us a follow. And remember, there's loads of content up on YouTube too.